I'm ready to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about working together. If you think back, many of the successful multifamily investors I've interviewed here on this show, their first step into this space was becoming a passive equity partner. One of the many benefits is the opportunity to build a track record that allows you to have more credibility with sellers, brokers, and your own passive investors. My company has about 700 doors that we're actively working on right now. And when these go to contract, we bring these opportunities to the accredited investors that are on our list. If you've already been thinking about getting a portfolio of multifamily doors, then now is a great opportunity for you to be involved with Blue Spruce Holdings as a passive equity partner. One of the unique things that my team does for our equity partners is sending out invites when we tour a new property, which allows them to see what we look for, along with getting to know the building and the neighborhood and even meeting some of the residents. So if you're ready to take the next step and set up a one-on-one -on -one call with me, then please find my calendar link in today's show notes and let's talk. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. All right, and we're back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams. Hey, real quick, today's episode, I was using a different microphone than normal, so I'm not going to sound as good as normal. Jacob Ayers, the 20-year-old rock star, is actually using a nice microphone. So you'll be able to get the content. I'm just asking the questions. So don't worry about that. We're going to go through his path. We're going to understand where he came from and where he's going. And actually, the things that he's doing these days right now are pretty incredible. So I'm excited to share them with you. So again, we'll bear with the microphone that I was using during the recording of this episode. But here we go. We're getting into it. Jacob Ayers, tell us how you got into real estate. Like many of your audience members out there, Adam, I was born with this blueprint to go to school, get a good education, further that education, go to college, study something that challenges you and get a job. So I did all this and I found myself in my mid twenties. And what I found with this blueprint is it only gets you to your mid twenties. So up to this point, I'd always had something kind of to look forward to, you know, get into college, get a good GPA, study hard, get a job. So I checked all these boxes and here I was looking for the next box to check. And I was looking around and pretty much what I realized was that next box was retirement at age 65 and a half, if you're lucky. So that didn't really sit well with me. So I started to look for other things to occupy my time, other kind of adventures to take on, other kind of hobbies. And at the time, I was really interested in personal finance and kind of developing a lifestyle that I was a little bit more in control over. So I started down this path of, of investing. And on one fork of this path, you've got the more traditional sense, investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, kind of through your retirement accounts is where you're directed to. And on the other fork of this road, you've got the more alternative asset classes, real estate investing being one of those. So I started investing in real estate. I was really drawn to it for many of the same reasons people are out there. You know, it's a tangible asset. I could understand it. I could feel it. I could go see it, touch it. So, you know, I just understood it a little bit better and I was kind of naturally drawn to it. So I started down that path and it took me to where I'm at today. Great. So your first investment was right out of college. You were about 25 years old and you had purchased a 25K house. Let's, let's go into that detail and at that deal and talk a little bit about how it started how it, and how it ended because it's, it's interesting and I'll let, you, I'll let you tell it. Sure, yeah. So um, one, yes, a $25,000 house. Surprise, spoiler alert, it's not in a war zone. It wasn't like completely dilapidated. This was a normal 
$25,000 house. It's in my home market in Oklahoma. So rural Oklahoma is where this property was located. And yeah, it does raise a little bit of eyebrows when you tell somebody you bought a $25,000 house that was rent ready at that. So I buy this $25,000 house with traditional financing. Yeah, I got financing on a $25,000 house. At the time, I didn't even know that was supposed to be a hurdle. I just thought, well, I'm going to go out and get financing on this property. So I put $5,000 down along with closing cost of let's call it $2,500, maybe $3,000. So all into this thing, I'm in eight grand. And at the time, you know, as a recent college graduate, I didn't have a ton of money to my name. Granted, I had a good job and I, you know, saved up a little money and I realized that I wanted to try to test this real estate thing out for myself. But I was a little nervous. I wasn't sure that this was what I was going to do forever. I wasn't sure that I was a real estate investor. So I kind of started small, bought that first property and I uh, still have it today. It's been rocking along and done some creative things with it in the past. So yeah, it's been a lot of learning lessons, but it was really important to me at the time because it got that ball rolling. So yeah, lots of good stuff we can dive into there if you want. Yeah, definitely. So what did you do creatively with this first house? Well, so I rented it out to the very first person that wanted to rent it out, which was mistake number one. Surprise, that didn't turn out so well. It lasted about six months before that arrangement fell apart. So I went back to the drawing board and I decided I was going to get rid of this property already. So I wanted to sell it. So I sold it on a lease option. And for what maybe that means to people that might not understand it is I agreed to lease it to a person for two years. And at the end of this two year lease term, I was going to sell it for a predetermined pre-agreed price with this second party. So upon the lease, they were going to buy it, but that lease option in the near term did not go towards their principal. So, okay. so that, that went along real well. You know, they executed that full two-year lease term, and then that party decided they didn't want to buy the property. So that was kind of my sell one, number one, or what I thought was going to be a sell. And uh, so that didn't end up working out. So then I turn around and I've since sold it on seller financing. So clearly I'm still the legal owner of the property, but I am acting like the bank. So I'm carrying the note for the buyer. They have put 25% down and they're paying me monthly installments. So yeah, I still have that property today. And uh, you know, it's just like the property that's, you know, just, just won't go away, but it's, it's working yeah. out well. So it's taught me a lot of things as a new investor. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because there's, there's some really good things that are, that are to come that we're about to talk about, but I want to get into details on, on this because you said that it's still in your name. The, the property is in your name. Yes, that's right. So how is, so what is the real structure of this um, on the seller financing? It sounds like it's more of a land contract than it is a bank. You're the bank. Yeah, and don't hold me to this, Adam, but uh, I know it's kind of called different things in different states. In mm -hmm. Oklahoma, where this property is called, it's called a contract for deed. And I've Great. heard the term okay. land contract in other states. So yeah, Great. very similar arrangement. Yes. Okay, perfect. So on, on a tradition, if you're just uh, for the audience, if somebody is just a bank, the house will go into the buyer's name and the bank or the seller will have an interest in the property based on a lien or a mortgage or a deed of trust. And, but in, the, in this case, it's pretty interesting. A contract for deed is that you set up arrangements that they pay you a certain amount and eventually that pays off the house. And when it pays off the house is when you transfer title. That's exactly right, yes. Okay, okay perfect, perfect. And so I like that there is so many different strategies 
Um, and then let's, so you were a fire protection and safety engineer and that's what you do now. That's what you yes, graduated. Yes, that's in. right. Okay. Yeah. And so I, there's a lot of engineers that take to real estate investing. Have you noticed that? I have. I, you know, I think it maybe is like a fundamental a numbers thing, you know, maybe engineers are good at number crunching and that's kind of the basis of real estate investing is understanding those numbers. So maybe that's where it comes from, but I've certainly noticed that. Yes. yes. Just yes. like one of your recent guests, Sarah May, I listened to her podcast recently. That was really good. She's an aerospace and mechanical engineer. Seems yeah. like a really bright girl. So cool. Cool. Yeah. I really liked that episode. She's, she's awesome. Uh, let me ask you. So as far as underwriting deals, your this is a creative strategy that you got started in doing. When did you start? When did you start doing this? Just I'll ask that first question, then we'll get right into it. Yeah, sure. So I can remember sitting at my desk in my day job and as an engineer, and uh, you know, at this point, I'd never even thought really much about investing in real estate. Um, but I was kind of real interested in, like I mentioned, this personal finance route. So somebody mentioned, hey, you should check out a podcast. I didn't even know what a podcast was at this time. So I look up podcast on my iPhone, start looking for real estate investing stuff and, you know, just dive into this world. And it's like an endless, like endless pit of just information and knowledge. And uh, you know how it is. I mean, once you get, get in there, it's like a black hole of just great stuff. So yeah. I do this and I spend about six months just consuming as much information as possible from podcasts to books, to online forums, to going to meetups, things like that. Just really submersing myself in this, in this uh, real estate industry. And then, so I did that for about six months and then that's when I pulled the trigger and bought that very first property that we just talked about. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of that, that, that journey. Okay, so, but right now you're underwriting deals and planning on actually bringing good deals to apartment syndicators. Yeah, so that's another creative thing that I've uh, kind of started working on. That's the part I was trying to get get to is, is oh, how, yeah. how yeah. did you get, when did you get started underwriting the deals for these syndicators and, um, you know, what made, this is a good question, what made you think to even do it in the first place? It's okay, yeah, so this is a real, real interesting way to get involved. Okay. And uh, so what I've done is, you know, I've looked out in this space for people that are doing what it is that I want to do. And you know, so I've identified some people and what that goal is for me is in syndicating larger apartment deals. That's, that's my goal. That's what the space I want to get into. So I looked out and found some connections of guys that were doing what it was I wanted to do, reached out to them and asked them how I could help them, how I could provide value to them. And so they said, yeah, we'd love to bring you on, have you help underwrite deals, analyze deals, help us do, you know, miscellaneous odds ends, things kind of like that. So, you know, I've kind of been piggybacking on a group of syndicators here in my local market and working with these guys and just gaining knowledge and being closer to those deals and really understanding how that piece of the real estate investing industry kind of works. For the listeners, how did you meet these syndicators? I also have a podcast, Adam. So it's been a great networking opportunity and along with the learning opportunity. So I uh, met these people through guests of the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So did you bring them on as guests on your show? I did. Yes. Yes. Awesome. So uh, have you noticed that with running a podcast is a great way to, to grow your network and leverage other people? I couldn't even begin to explain the doors it's opened and the connections it's made for me, Aaron. I mean, it is just, I called you Aaron, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. It's the double A, 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 Adam, Adam. It gets me. There you go, no so, problem. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I can't believe, I can't even begin to tell you the doors it's opened. I mean, I've met so many people, made so many connections and uh, yeah, so I would highly recommend, I mean, I know not everybody can go out there and start their own podcast, but if you're thinking about it, certainly consider those intangible benefits of it. Certainly. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, that, that is definitely been a benefit on, on our show as well. Uh, rubbing shoulders with really, really great people from around the country um, that you might, you, there's a, it would have been a very difficult thing in the first place to, to even have a conversation. But like you're saying, you kind of can reach out and just say, Hey, uh, let's do an interview swap or whatever. So that's great. I appreciate you bringing that up. So um, they said that, that you could do a little bit of underwriting, analyzing and some odds and ends. What did you, what has happened so far since that day? Yeah, so it's a relatively recent endeavor, uh, maybe three or four months going on it now. So it's uh, certainly allowed me, for one, it's gained a lot of knowledge on how this, uh, this kind of process works from all the way from underwriting to due diligence to even I've seen them close a couple large deals. So it's been a really eye-opening experience. And uh, yeah, that's, that's been really helpful for my own personal end. But what I've been able to help them do is take some of that uh, some of that workload off their plate helped them scale and grow and be able to underwrite more deals. As, as we all know in this game, it's kind of like a funnel, right? The more deals you look at, the more deals you can, you know, filter out, more deals you can make offers on, more deals you ultimately buy. So yeah, it's been a win-win scenario. And that's really what I've gone into this scenario as is trying to make it as much win-win as possible, but really ultimately focusing on delivering value to them. How do you, what's the best way for you to get value out of this relationship? When you said um, you've seen them close on a couple of big deals, it doesn't sound like you're a part of those two deals. So what's the way that you're getting value? Yeah, well, I came in on the closing end of those two deals. So they pretty well had them already under contract and under the due diligence phase already. So when I came in, they were already, you know, kind of wrapping those up. So I caught the tail end of that. And then, you know, we're just riding it out from here and, you know, taking on more deals. And yeah, it's, it's a, the outlook is pretty bright. Uh, what, what do you assume might happen on, on one of the next deals? If, if you get a little portion of equity or what, what's the process there? Yeah. So uh, certainly, you know, I've got the opportunity in, to invest alongside these guys. I've got the opportunity to raise capital and bring uh, my network of investors onto deals. So yeah, we've talked about, you know, arrangements like that. And just ultimately for me, my goal was to just be as close to these deals, understand how they work and just absorb as much knowledge as possible. So, so, so kind of part of the answer is that you're, you're already getting your goal, which is, is to learn and grow and, and be close to them and uh and be into that process i like that and then you said something about you could raise capital for deals so can we talk a little bit about how does how does that benefit how does that uh, benefit you and how does that exactly benefit them and the third person that we'll talk about how it might benefit is the people that you're coming to to see if they want to join in these deals yeah sure okay so three people it would benefit starting with them you know, they need money to close these deals from investors, right? That's what the syndication model is. I mean, everybody, most of the audience members, I'm sure understand the syndication model, but what it is is these guys are pulling money from investors to buy large apartment buildings that they couldn't otherwise on their own. So helping them make those connections with people in, in my professional networks from the engineering world and, you know, from, from all walks of life, helping connect those syndicators with capital is the value to them. The value to me... Yes. Keep going. The, value, the value to me is it helps me once again, get close to these deals, 
be a part of them, be involved with them, see the ins and outs, see the behind the scenes. So that's the value to me. And the value to the investor is they're able to, they're able to realize great returns from investing their asset, from investing their capital into these hard assets. And uh, you know, they're a part owner in these apartments. So it provides great returns to that investor. So it's a win, win, win. And that's the focus of it. Great. And will you, when you say a, be a part of them to be involved with them, is that like the syndicator will put you on as part of the general partnership by raising some capital or what, how does that work? Yeah. So uh, once again, don't hold me to this for these SEC laws, but the way I understand it is when you are raising capital, you must be part of the general partnership. So if you raise capital as part of the, uh, uh, of the equity raising, you are qualified to be part of this general partnership per SEC laws. So yeah, once again, don't hold me to that. I'm not an SEC attorney, but yeah, that's how it works. Great. We'll move right into the final five then. Are you ready for that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. First, a quick word from the sponsors. As a fix and flipper, you need to save money wherever you can to make sure you stay under budget. Well, something I haven't mentioned enough is that I have a company that can fund your fix and flips for a lot less than your current hard money lender. Find out more by looking in today's show notes. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. And now, what is your most creative deal that you've ever done? Well, I... uh... I have completed a burst strategy. So I know you've recently had Brandon Turner from bigger pockets on the show and he's kind of coined this term burr and that's buy rate. So it's buy renovate rent refinance repeat. And so I've bought a duplex a few years ago. I fixed it up or renovated it, rented it out. Then I refinanced it. So some numbers really quickly about that is I bought it for $55,000 two short year later, Two short years later, I refinanced it for $110,000. So doubled in value, pulled out as much equity as I could and rolled that to a triplex. So, you know, rolling the equity and moving it over to another property. So I'd say By a the 1031? whole- Sorry to interrupt you. Was it a 1031? No, it wasn't a 1031. Oh, oh you just refied it. Refied okay. it and used that equity to roll over to that triplex. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably the most creative deal aside from that first uh, single family home we talked about. Let's go a little bit more into that, if you don't mind. So um, you bought it for 55. How did you buy it? I bought it once again with traditional bank financing, okay. 20, 20% down. So I put $11,000 down and uh, I rented it out, renovated it. The renovations weren't too major. So I financed those out of pocket, got it renovated and rented. It was, uh, it was fully vacant when I bought it. So that was a challenge. And then, uh, yeah, I held on to it for a couple of years, realized that I bought it really well. The market had appreciated some, but mostly I just bought it under market value and, uh, then refinanced it, pulled out that equity. And I took that equity and put it towards the purchase of another property. How much uh, did you pull out exactly? I pulled out 70%, uh, so 70% loan to values, the banks refer to it. So I think that's somewhere in the neighborhood of $77,000. Yeah, so- Paid off my initial mortgage and then yep. the rest of the money I was left with to do as I pleased. Put it in my pocket, go on a crazy big vacation or the more prudent thing, reinvest it. 
Great. So tell us about the triplex that you bought with your equity. Yeah, the triplex was in the same market. It was just right down the road. Uh, funny story about it is I actually almost bought it three years prior for a lot less than I actually bought it for. So I kind of kicked myself for that one, but uh, I passed up the opportunity then. And then I revisited that same property a few years later when the time was right for me. And uh, I bought the property once again, traditional bank financing. So yeah. Great. Great. So how much did you say the triplex was? I didn't get that part. The triplex was $165,000. Okay. And so what was the down payment? The down payment was 25%, which was, uh, I believe 42, 42 and some change. And so you, you refinanced the first one, you pulled out about 77 K or 44. Yes. Okay. 77 K. And, and so, and then you only had to put down half the money to buy this triplex. I put, yes, that's about right. Great. Great. Thanks for going through the details on that. What is a book that you would recommend to the listeners? I really recommend the advanced guide to real estate investing by Ken McElroy, part of the rich dad series book. So really good book. It's the second series in Ken's books. The first book was the ABCs of real estate investing, but um, they're both really good books. But that second one was just, uh, you know, resonated with me pretty well. So I really like it. Highly recommend it. Great. Thank you. Where were you five years ago from today? <laughs> you know, five years ago, almost from this exact date, I had just started my first job out of college. So I'd moved from Oklahoma State down to Houston, Texas to start my career in the oil and gas arena as a fire protection and safety engineer. So that was five years ago, almost to this date. And five years from now, I hope to uh, be syndicating larger apartment deals and grow my current personal portfolio to a sizable interest. And I hope to have achieved financial freedom slightly before then. But yeah, that's where I hope to be. Good. How do you give back? You know, I think you can give back in two different ways, either with your time or money. And as a young professional, uh, I don't have all this extra money to give back. So I give back my time when I can. And uh, one cause that's always kind of been near and dear to my heart are children. And uh, I like education. And so I'll go and uh, volunteer with an organization called Junior Achievement. And uh, every couple months, I'll go in and teach second, third, fourth grade classes about financial literacy. So yeah, it's really rewarding. And man, kids are so much smarter than I remember being when I was young. So it's, it's really fun. Perfect. Thank you. And how will the listeners get a hold of you or find your podcast? Yeah. So you can find my podcast, which is called The Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, anywhere you can find podcasts. And for more information and to connect with me, you can visit www.jacobayers.com. Okay. Jacobayers.com, right? Yes, sir. Perfect. I got it in the show notes. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on and uh, we will talk to you later. So until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much, Adam. If you love this content, please leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. As a reminder, any investment opportunities mentioned on this show are for accredited investors only. I'm ready to have that conversation with you. It's pretty easy to set up. There's a link to my online calendar available for you in the show notes. Scroll down now and pick a time on there that works best for both of us. Until next time, think outside the box.